Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Ladies and gentlemen, New England Patriots fans, welcome back to Patriots Daily. Kyrie Thompson here, reporting to you live from downtown's scenic Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. And I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, Mr. Taylor Kyles. Brother, how you doing today? I'm good. Uh, another good day of practice, a little more competitive than it was yesterday, which is always good. You know, you want to see a good fight, not necessarily one side dominate. Uh, yeah, so I'm killing it. Excited to talk about what I saw today with you. Excellent. And, you know, to be clear, we don't want to see real fights, you know, because then that ends up with people getting kicked out or cut in the case of, was it, the Tennessee Titans? They got a guy cut today because he's been fighting with everybody down there. You don't want to see Man's that. trying but... to fight Jeffrey Simmons, which is possibly is... the most out-of-pocket thing you could do. I mean, give him credit for just, like, not having any regard for his own life. At the same time, have a little bit of regard for your own life and your career. But let's talk about the fight that the Patriots offense has been putting up against the defense lately, including, you know, saw a couple of videos out there of one Mac Jones dropping some balls in the bucket. What's been going on out there, brother? Yeah, so today was kind of strange, actually. Um, For most of the competitive reps, we saw Mac Jones throwing the mostly what were projected backups. Uh, he was throwing to like Trey Nixon and Demario Douglas, Kayshawn Booty, Anthony Ferkser. And uh, he was asked about it after practice and actually said that uh, it seemed like Belichick was trying to just make things harder for him. And I remember we were talking about, you know, at some point, you know, even if they do well, it might even out a little bit. Um, and it seemed like Belichick was really trying to force the hand there. He's like, all right, the offense is doing a little too good. Let me uh, give my defense a fighting chance. Mostly joking. Um, but yeah, his best throw of the day, I would say, best throw at camp really dropped it in the bucket, as you said, to Trey Nixon on a corner route. I think that's mm. one of Mac Jones' best throws he's got in his bag. He's really good on those corner routes. Uh, but it was a shaky day a little bit. He also, there was a play where Trey Nixon either fell or didn't finish his route, and Mac ended up throwing a pick to Kyle Duggar. It just looked like a big mess. That one I put on Nixon, but there was another one where he forced it to Mario Douglas into like double or triple coverage. Defenders were wearing like these mitts, the kind of pads they have where it's to teach them not to get grabby and kind of be better yeah. about positioning and using your hands to judge where a player is at, not necessarily, you know, interfere with them. That was a pretty rough one. Um, and I think it may have been a force because we haven't seen Mac make those kind of throws really. So I'd kind of put that up to maybe he was uncomfortable kind of at the start of that period with the new supporting cast, found his groove a bit. Uh, but other than those two plays, nothing egregiously bad. Zappy looked pretty good. He was throwing all the veteran receivers, and he looked pretty uh, – he was – I don't want to say there weren't any like crazy throws or anything, but it seemed like he was keeping the offense on schedule. To be very clear, Mack was throwing against who we would probably assume are going to be the top defense, and Zappy continued to throw with what we would assume to be more of the reserve guys. So the competition levels were very different. Um, but, yeah, it was a pretty good day for Mac Jones. Then they got into red zone periods. 
there was one throw that he was completed to uh, Kendrick Bourne in red zone when he had all of his full complement back with him. Although it was a nice catch by Kendrick Bourne, but at the same time, Christian Gonzalez actually tripped and seemed like he could have made a play on the ball but didn't. So that one is kind of like, eh, I'm not sure how that would have gone necessarily if Gonzalez was fully in for the rep. Uh, but then they followed it up with a touchdown to Juju Smith-Schuster on what actually looks like the same play that Malcolm Butler intercepted in Super Bowl was it 49. I, I don't I don't know how to read those numbers. I don't know how to read Roman numerals. I think I think it is 49. Uh, uh, it was yeah, the, the one that happened. The one that happened in 2015. Yes, that one. Um, yeah, so it was it was kind of it was more of a Bill O'Brien design thing, not necessarily, you know, Mac Jones making a crazy play, but they executed on it. Um, and there was another play where he put it on Devontae Parker, maybe could have put it a bit higher, uh, but it looked like Parker had a shot at it. And Jonathan Jones made his third breakup on a Devontae Parker jump ball since training camp started, which is, I mean, Jonathan Jones scrappy, as we all know. If you give him a chance, he's usually going to make a play. So, yeah, you know, without the same consistently productive day for Mac Jones that we saw yesterday when the offense was on fire, uh, but really nothing alarming either. He was presented a challenge. I think he handled it pretty well for the most part. And I think there are a couple of things in there that I, I want to talk about because mm -hmm. it, it's important to the context of what, <laughs> yeah, 49 cause 50 was man Manning steroid, <laughs> the Manning steroid <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. But a couple of things for context is, you know, one thing that I've seen, um, you know, veteran football people say is that they don't mind seeing quarterbacks throw interceptions in camp. And particularly the kind that you're talking about where it, it would be a ghastly, horrible thing to see in a regular season game, like throwing willingly into double coverage or whatever, unless you unless you got like Megatron. It's like, well, he's down there somewhere. He's going to make a play. Doesn't matter if he's triple covered. I'm going to go ahead and do it. But you know, that, that they don't mind seeing guys throw interceptions or, or force things because you got to figure out what you can get away with. And, and so I would kind of chalk some of those things up to that, even without seeing it. I think there's going to be some of that. I know I saw Mac Jones throw some interceptions last year in camp where it was clearly like it was, there was he was throwing trust balls to Devontae Parker and they were mm -hmm. figuring out the chemistry. And like normally you could see things like where Mac Jones would be pissed when he throws an interception or makes a mistake. But you could kind of tell he was like, Eh, okay, well, that one didn't work out. And it's like, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get that one figured out. And Belichick and Matt Patricia, like nobody really seemed to have any reaction to it because it was like, all right, fine, we'll, we'll get to the next one. So I, I, it sounds to me like he is in a good place. They are in a good place. And that mm -hmm. throw in particular that I saw, because I think I saw a video of exactly that throw you were talking about with Kendrick Bourne versus Christian Gonzalez. So there are a couple of things with that. First of all, you are absolutely right. Mac Jones loves his corner routes and loves his kind of mm. outside breaking routes toward the sideline, which don't always work out well for him in terms of throwing outside the numbers. But I think he, he can be better about it. He, he can be better at it than I think people give him credit for. And it's all about timing and placement with him. And that was really how he got going in 2021 in training camp when he was in the, comp the competition with Cam Newton. It was those corner routes. He was hitting them automatically just over and over and over again in red zone period he's he's hit Kendrick Bourne on those he's hit Jacoby Myers on those you know in over the past couple of years he's very good at that the other thing on the other side of the ball that you mentioned right Christian Gonzalez he he was there but you know it seemed like he tripped or otherwise he would have made the play Jonathan Jones 
in Devontae Parker's hip pocket constantly, batting away those jump balls. The thing that really strikes me about these corners is that by and large, they seem to be in the right place all the time, or for the most part, whether or not they make the play. We're, we got we got a fire truck coming past. I just, just want to go ahead and flag that for you. Um, if my daughter was here, she would be loving that right now. <laughs> Bye, guys. Good luck. Um, but one thing that, yes. But I think that's the thing to keep in mind, right? When you're talking about Christian Gonzalez and some of these corners and their production, right? And, and uh, you know, how will we know if Christian Gonzalez has had a successful year? It's going to be hard to say that, oh, yeah, he's had a successful year just because, oh, he got like seven interceptions. Like not everybody's going to have that Trayvon Diggs year. What you will be able to judge it by is if he's just generally in the right place, he will make plays if he's in the right place. And then just wait until next year when he's really in the right place and he gets the game speed figured out and calibrated and like, oh, I can I can get on this a step earlier. That's when the interceptions and the and the PBUs are really going to start happening yeah. right now. I just want to see Christian Gonzalez consistently being in the right place, not getting beat all over the place or, or lunging too hard and getting himself out of position. As long as he's doing that, he's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, like you said, even and, and we've seen it in a couple of clips, especially when, you know, Gonzalez had that one group yesterday against Devontae Parker, where, He's right there, and Parker even said, like, that wasn't pass interference. I'm allowed to push off a little bit. You're just not supposed to extend. I thought he did a good job of that. Um, But Gonzalez will learn. Like, Parker is the best person to put him up against because I don't think the issue is whether or not Gonzalez is going to be in the right places, like you said. He's very good. He's a freak athlete. He's one of the rare young corners who plays to that athleticism and also has great recognition. His thing is, okay, like Devontae Parker, he's going to win 65 70% of those jump balls. Gonzalez has the athleticism to affect the catch point in those situations. He's just got to actually come through. Marcus Jones, actually, I might segue this into kind of talking about uh, Demario Pop but, Douglas. Marcus Jones, very, very sticky and athletic corner, who even last year you'd see that he'd give up catches, but he was right on the hip. Demario Douglas has been leaving him in the dust consistently on one-on-one drills. Now, to a degree, NFL receivers should be winning in those drills, in real life, usually you have, you know, help inside where a guy may be starting with certain leverage. And, you know, it's not not every rep is created equal. But when you're getting, like, multiple yards of separation, that stands like, out. Yeah, it's not, it sounds like DeMario Douglas is beating the brakes off Marcus Jones. It's like, DeMario Douglas, Pop needs to change his, his pronouns to I'm him, apparently. Because he's, <laughs> he's just out there getting everybody. And not even just the one-on-ones either where it's like, you know, covering on a route. Right after one-on-ones, they did a tackling drill. And when I tell you that no one touched Demario Douglas, like it's funny because you see everybody else, usually people are like a Kayshawn Booty throwing a stiff arm. That's his thing where he's not going to really shake out of your shoes, but he's physical and he'll usually ward guys off. Usually, you know, somebody hits an ankle or something and they slip off, best case scenario. Pop was the only one who in every single one of his reps, nobody really got very close, and he was clean. So, I mean, it's it's hard not to get excited. I don't want to pump him up too much to the point where people have unrealistic expectations because he is a rookie. You know, he is a smaller guy, so when it comes to the chemistry, it may take a certain amount of time for Mac to get comfortable, be able to throw to someone who doesn't have a big catch radius like most of the other people in that receiving core. You know, at some point, 
reality is going to set in and we're going to have our expectations tempered a bit. But I also don't want to take away from the outstanding performance that this young guy is putting out there on tape. Like I have yet to see a truly bad rep from uh, Demario Douglas where I'm like, yeah, you really, I don't have film breakdown. I can't review plays. So I'm sure there's minute things that his coaches are saying do better, but man, like he is consistently popping and it doesn't ever feel like, I mean, Kayshawn Booty early on where he was making athletic plays, but he wasn't finishing at the catch point or coming down with him all the time necessarily. Douglas is making really every catchable target that he's getting. So, I mean, the excitement is warranted. I do, again, just want to remind people that he's still a rookie. You know, he's got all these veterans in front of him. It's good to be excited. Just keep some perspective. But I'm also telling myself that because he's so much fun and I just want to – you know, I want to keep pumping this dude up, but you know. Yeah. And I mean, of course, I mean, th- this is exactly the kind of thing where I wanted to, I wanted to see it in person in pads, right? Because you know, we, we've seen this with Trey Nixon in the past and it sounds like Trey Nixon is, has been making some plays as well, but when the pads would come on, there would be drops or you're not getting the separation that, that you're used to getting. And then the production kind of tails off and we'll see what it looks like in the preseason games. But yeah. what it looks like or what it sounds like when it comes to DeMario Douglas is that every day he's making a play every day, he's doing something. And listen, that matters, not because he's going to come out and immediately be, you know, as somebody suggested, like he could be like, like Max, like new, you know, version of Jalen Waddle, like discount Jalen Waddle. It's like, not that he's going to necessarily come out and do that right off the bat, or he's going to be like a thousand yard receiver or whatever. Right. I feel like if, if he, if he ends the season with 200 yards receiving, that's a successful year for him. You know, I, I feel like, but what he is, is a sick, he's a sixth round pick that again, nothing, nothing is assured him. Right. When you look at some of those at, at, at Kayshawn Booty and Demario Douglas, you're thinking to yourself, maybe one of these guys make the roster. Maybe neither of them makes the roster. Maybe they end up being practice squad guys. This brother's out here playing like he wants to make the roster. And that's huge. Yeah, I'm and, and you mentioned Kayshawn Booty. I'd like to bring him up, too, because he is a guy who's also kind of building the Mario train like that. Yeah. I think he's left the station. We all know. Get it. He's fantastic. But Kayshawn Booty had a pretty slow start to camp, and he acknowledged that yesterday when speaking to reporters. He has beaten Christian Gonzalez in one-on-ones in back-to-back days, had a win yesterday against Jonathan Jones, had a really pretty catch from Bailey Zappi in the back of the end zone where he got two feet down. He's another guy where like the young players in this Patriots receiving court. Obviously, Tyquan Thornton had a pretty good day last week. It was quiet in his last practice that he was out there, and he's missed the last two. So you're hoping that one of these young guys can give them a bit of juice because the veterans are more, you know, big body possession receivers. Kayshawn Booty is yeah. one of those guys who could give them a little extra something they don't have. And he's finally starting to show it again. He's winning against two of the Patriots best quarterbacks, which should tell you something because, you know, after the slow start, he's finally gaining confidence. Uh, we'll see how that translates to his usage and whatnot. But uh, he's another guy that temper expectations, of course. Um, but that sixth round draft status was mostly because of off the field stuff, you know, the right. character concerns that were surrounding him and his draft profile and whatnot. But in terms of talent, like it's there. So maybe the Patriots just need to stop drafting people before the late rounds. I think maybe that's the key to unlocking Bill Belichick, the GM is hey man, just, just take the, take the late round guys who are talented and nobody else wants to deal with, you know, the size or whatever, you know, the issues are that 
you know, might affect their draft status or whatever. But uh, I think uh, I think Pop and Kayshawn Booty were also both guys who were really highly touted coming out of high school, which is something that Belichick loves. Like he doesn't really yes. care what he did in he college. Loves- if you show the potential, yeah, yeah go on, yep. He loves his five-star recruits. I mean, yes. when you think about it, right, Jack Jones, right, who's, who's a person I want to segue into, he was a guy who had a lot of trouble in college and, and he had to transfer and, you know, he's getting suspended mm. for various reasons. He was a five-star recruit in high school, though. The brother had talent. And so they took a chance on him when other teams pr- might not have and certainly didn't before the fourth round. By the way, I want to talk about one Jack Jones because yeah. it seems like he had a very interesting day down at Gillette Stadium. And, and so if so, from what I saw, um, he got beat on a rep by I want to say it was Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. And then and then he was he was fired up about it from your vantage point. What did you see on that play? And what happened next? Because you, we started seeing people saying that he got kicked out of practice. But it sounds like from your perspective, you're not so sure he was kicked out. That he might have just walked off. Yeah, so rookie reporter that I am, I didn't see what happened immediately after the play. Because, you know, I saw the completion. I was trying to write things down. I had my binoculars on. So I was mostly consulting with Brian Hines, who works with us at CLNS and also at Pat's Pulpit. And Phil Perry, who does a great job for NBC Boston. I was trying to compare notes and see what they were seeing. And it seemed like, so this happened. He was very, very animated about it, apparently, right after. And then I believe he was talking. I think it was um, Peppers was talking to him, trying to calm him down. Like, really trying to just get his head back on. And he wasn't having it. And I'm not sure if he was told, hey, you need to leave the field. I didn't personally see that part. But I did see him walking off. Um, you know, again, whether or not somebody told him to or not, I don't know. But bottom line is he left the field after it seemed like a pretty routine completion. Like they had the mitts on. So it's not even like he could go out and try to jar the, jar the ball loose. And obviously we know he does not want an out route completed on him. Like that's Jack Jones's whole thing. He's like, do not throw outs on me. I guess he really, really means it because he was not happy. Um, yeah. So he disappeared a couple periods later. He comes back, has a conversation right. with Matt Grow. I believe Jalen Mills was talking to him after, you know, Jalen Mills is also kind of an animated guy and was trying to, obviously we don't know what they were saying, but I'm sure these veterans are just trying to give him perspective. Be like, Hey man, like you are in position where you could have a great role on this team. Like you could be a legitimate contributor. You got to be doing the right things and you got to keep your head on. Um, And Jack didn't participate for the rest of practice. So obviously a situation that warrants monitoring Isaiah Bolden, was the top corner when the Patriots were going with their last two minute drill, which is how they usually end these practices. This time it was full speed. So this is a really competitive drill. Um, And I'm pretty sure Jack would have been the one out there otherwise, because Bolden hasn't really been getting those kinds of opportunities. Although I think it is promising that someone with his athletic profiles, at least getting those chances, but yeah, I mean, it was a bizarre situation. Not what you want to see from somebody who's already, you know, got legal trouble. Don't even know for a fact he's going to make the team. Uh, yeah, strange situation that we're going to have to keep an eye on and see what his usage is in the coming days. Football season's about to kick off, and FanDuel's giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can choose your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. 
So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. GamblingHelpMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Let's get to Jack Jones because... I think it's not a talent issue with him. We know it's not a talent issue. It's a maturity issue. It was a maturity issue in college. It's a maturity issue now. And it was a maturity issue last year with what we've been hearing about him not attending his, his rehab sessions or not doing what he needed to do, which led to his suspension. And you got guys, he's in the right place. He's on the right team to be able to manage some of these issues. Okay. But, if he's not going to keep it under control, like football is an emotional sport. I get it. You got guys out there. They are alphas. They don't like losing. Okay. Jack Jones is the kind of guy who wants to get the ball every single time. He's always trying to get his hands on the ball. He's always trying to make a play. All right. And so when you can't do that, or you're getting beat, you're having a bad day at practice. Sometimes you do things that you ought not do that are out of character. Okay. But again, this is too many incidents with him right now. And we've been talking about the possibility of what he could mean to this team. It's not like he's going to, his presence or absence is going to make or break the New England Patriots. But him being on the team and being a productive member of it can only make them better, in my opinion. And so this is, this is, uh, this is probably the make or break point for Jack Jones. Like from today on, okay, is he going to get it together? Is he going to manage his emotions better? And is he going to stay locked in? Because if he is not, he's a fourth round pick. They can move on from him today. All right. I know they don't want to do that because they invested in him and they know what kind of player he can be, but nothing is assured for Jack Jones from here on out. And he needs to start acting like it. Yeah. But we also need to remember that. Yeah. He was a fourth round pick, but you know, he was a fourth round pick for a reason. Like the reasons that you mentioned also, he's skinnier corner which factored into it as well, but he's making a lot of plays out there. They're going to give him a pretty long leash. Like until he really, really screws, like unless the legal situation goes poorly or unless they just reach a point where they're like, we can't work with him. It's the NFL. He's going to get his chances until they really are just exhausted. So let's keep that in mind. Also, I I do. And I do agree with that. I think that it from, from his standpoint, I really do want him to, to see though that, yeah. You know, he like this, this is not assured. Don't act like you got a long leash. Act like you got a short leash out there. You know, act like, you know, this like any play could could be your last, you know? And and Absolutely. I and I think that he he play he plays like that on the field. He goes hard. He plays hard. No one no one is denying that when he's on the football field, he he is a productive and and I mean dedicated member of, of this team. But just mentally, especially when you're at this point in your career, you just don't want to get labeled like that, man. Like they and, and look, they might have patience now. OK, but if this continues on you know, into this year, past this year, say he has another issue with with suspension this year. I mean, 
that's that's eating up that leash to me. Yeah. So I I, I want to see better for Jack Jones because I think he's a good player and I like to see guys, you know, be able to, you know, kind, kind of overcome the issues, you know, that they've had in their career, you know, and turn things around. So it's not too late for him. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. What's up, Big Ray? Ray has Indeed, entered the going- chat. Ray has entered the chat and thanks you. Thank you both. Delusional Pats fan, a regular on here. Make sure that you're liking the stream. Make sure that you are subscribing and retweet reposting because because the bird app is dead. Twitter no longer exists. They're reposts, not retweets. Oh my goodness, this is gonna be so weird. Okay, yo, come get on and, and get this get this boosted over here. It's Patriots Daily with Taylor Kyles of CLNS Media and myself, Kyrie Thompson. We got some people asking about Keon White, and I saw some posts about one Keon White today. Yeah, Mans has been denting the pocket. Now, he's been doing that pretty consistently. Um, but I, I actually listened to Phil Perry. Again, does a great job for NBC Boston. He had an interview with Dante Scarnecchia. I was asking him a lot of questions. And one thing that Dante said that kind of made me feel a little better about my perspective on trench work when there's no pads on, he was saying, like, yeah, you, there's always something you can learn from these reps. But really, you don't really care what happens when guys aren't wearing pads. Like, you know, in, in the non-padded practice, you were seeing Riley Reef get worked consistently to the point where they were putting Connor McDermott out there. Still not sure why. I don't know if that was maintenance or just seeing what they had. But Connor McDermott was the one who was looking better than Riley Reef. And now we see these drills, and Reef is the one who's undefeated, and Connor McDermott's the one struggling. And somebody who was giving Connor McDermott trouble was Keon White, who's been denting the pocket ever since they weren't wearing pads. I tried to take that with a grain of salt. You obviously want to see rookies flash, but again, those reps aren't really high quality for what you want to get out of the trenches, but he's been dominating one-on-ones. Like you see the power, you see those bull rushes. He's been showing up consistently when they do team drills and things like that. So again, it's hard to evaluate linemen when you don't have the film. You can't really see how they're setting things up consistently, but I will say that Keon White has been living up to his draft stock. Uh, You know, he was known as kind of a one trick pony where power was really all he had. Um, yeah. as his main tool in his bag. But like, hey, if you got it, it works. Demarcus Covington will give him some switch-ups to make sure that he can keep guys on their feet as the season goes on. But yeah, I think that uh, if you're in trying to think about investing in Keon Whitestock, I would buy. The Patriots' top picks, really all the Patriots' picks, have really uh, had really good showings in camp. And you know, it's interesting, right? Because you talked about earlier the fact that, hey, just give them all the mid, you know, mid and late round picks and we'll go from there. I think that with this draft class in particular, I mean, I, I feel like this has the potential to be one of the better draft class that that Bill Belichick has had in a while, especially when you when you think about the fact that that, again, right, we're watching the first round tick away. And we're just like, ooh, what is he going to do? Like, you know, you, you got both your picks of receivers on there. You, you've got the possibility of an edge or like whatever, kind of outside the, the box pick. But Christian mm-hmm. Gonzalez is still there and he's still there and he's still there. And, and you're just like, oh, yeah, no, we got to do this. We have to do it. Like, like, you have no choice, right? A guy that good, that talented, got to do it. And, and he did he pulled the trigger. And I feel like you can't find too many people that thought that was a bad idea because it's not because I mean that it was, it was the perfect pick and then grabbing Keon white, a guy that I have, have found very interesting for his kind of positional versatility. All right. Somebody who's been, been a productive player and you know, it, it, in a you know top conference. Right. Mm-hmm. 
and and so I I feel like it's hard to be too. And then and then again, Marte Mapu, which again you hadn't heard that much about him in in terms of you know being a big name. But again, all you had to do was turn on the tape. You could see immediately why they liked him and why he should be a third round pick. And I feel like already when you think about just how much he's been on the field, it just sounds like that could be another hit. I mean, we got, we got to see it on the field. We got to see it on the field. But man, I'm so excited for him. So, and I'm, I'm even seeing people, you know, maybe besides the kicker or, you know, the punter, or, you know, the things like that. Like, we don't want to, like, we don't want to talk about that here. That's fake news. That's fake news. That Not besides the kicker. Uh, Chad I, Ryland I, has I, been good. Bryce Berenger has been good. Like I've heard, I've heard that, that Ryland is over here kicking the ball into the, into the stratosphere and Berenger, well, I mean, look, we it, it's it's usually hard to convey punter highlights in training camp unless you're there. But sometimes you just got to see the ball scrape in the sky or how it sounds coming off a guy's leg. And it sounds like the Patriots got a dude in Behringer. Yeah, it's this. That's what I was going to say. It's not even necessarily what you see is good. But it's the sound. That ball explodes off Behringer's foot. And today they were working. It looked like they were trying to pin guys inside the five. Behringer was doing it. He was making it look pretty effortless. He's been doing really well. Chad Ryland has been pretty consistent. He shook off what was, I think it was last practice or two practices ago, where he kind of tucked it inside to the right. And it seemed mm-hmm. like Brian Hines, again, of uh, CLNS and Pat's Pulpit, my guy, he mentioned that after it hung a bit to the right where he kind of squeezed it in after three really good kicks, the, the fifth kick in his final kick, he kind of shanked it to the left. So it seemed like he overcorrected. Today, a lot more consistent. You're still seeing, I think he's kind of working on not scraping that right edge. He doesn't do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's fine. Every once in a while those will sneak in. But he's a rookie. You're not expecting him to be perfect. You're expecting him to be young, have a good leg, and be someone they can work with. Seems like he has a great mentality. The other day I compared him to Gaskowski because Gaskowski was somebody who was very accountable, very self-aware, and he was good about moving on mentally when he made mistakes. And I think Ryland, there was one on one of his missed kicks, they were asked, like, was it a bad hold? And it looked like the operation was kind of funky before he got it off his foot. And he said, it's my kick. I take responsibility. Like, Everything that comes off my foot, that's my job. Like, if it's a bad snap, whatever, I have to adjust to that. So, I love him from a mental perspective and the leg. Obviously, Nick Folk getting up there in age. He doesn't have the most powerful leg. We've known that since he got here. Uh, but Ryland, he's the real deal. Like, that dude's got a boot. Um, so, I know that spending a fourth on a special teamer may not excite people. But, I mean, a fourth-round pick is just a developmental prospect. Like, when you get to that point – you're not even necessarily expecting these guys to become starters. So they had glaring needs at both kicker spots. I said at the time, I still agree with it. These were really highly touted players coming out of college. They're living up to that status so far. Um, I know I'm going on real long about special teamers, but I'll also say yeah, but, there was yeah, another but I mean, Bill Belichick loves that. has looked very good as well. Jake, and he's with the backups mostly, but he's getting some mix with the first team guys. He's looking pretty good. So I, I know that the, Patriots fans probably didn't like the fourth round because they got some funky positions and the positional value from the outside perspective may seem kind of weird, but I do still think they got some good players. And, and another guy that I can't remember if he was a fourth round pick or not, but I do want to talk about one Antonio Mafi because that was one of my favorite players in the, in the pre-draft process. It sounds like he's been getting some run with the offensive line with 
Michael and Wenu being out with Cole Strange being on the sidelines. So I love to see it. That guy is a load. And I, I see I see him being, I mean, especially like he could, he could be a backup, obviously. You could put him you know, kind of where, wherever you need him. But I'm looking at him as somebody that, look, if Michael and Wenu goes and gets paid, that Antonio Mafi is the next guy up. Like, like there, there you go. But we're, we're a ways away from seeing that you don't, don't want to over speculate right here. So I want to ask you a question before we jump off, Mr. Kyles, what are you looking for in, in terms of, you know, being at the, the in stadium practice tomorrow and going into next week of padded practice? Like what, like what, what now that you've seen, you know, kind of a whole week of padded practice, what are you looking for from here on? I believe it's going to be a slower pace, more like a walkthrough. So I think I just want to see how smooth the operation is. Can they get their personnel groupings on and off the field without making any egregious mistakes? Obviously, last year we saw operational penalties were a huge part of why they weren't very successful. So I want to see – under Bill O'Brien, they've been much more disciplined. I think the defense is also you know, just what you'd expect from a unit that's returning a lot of people. Um, so I just want to see, is it smooth? I'm going to be looking at the coaches, see some of their reactions to what's going on in the field. Um, so I don't even think it's going to be so much of what I see from the players because, again, it's more of a walkthrough. I'm going to be looking at what the coaches are seeing, saying what the coaches are seeing and uh, getting an impression of how well they're executing based on those reactions. Also, delusional Patriots fan, if you want to be, you know, become a season ticket holder between now and tomorrow night and get your way up in there, then then feel free. You go ahead, you go ahead and do that. You go ahead and record the in-stadium practice. I mean, I don't know if you'll actually Please. get away with it. They might go ahead and they might go ahead and get you um, you know, for that. But hey, I mean, the in-stadium practice, the first year I was there was a total snooze fest. I feel like last year was a bit more interesting, actually. Mm. There was a little bit more. I don't know. I feel like if there was there was a little bit more intensity, I felt like, even though it was still more or less a, a walkthrough by and large. But then going into the, the next week, like pretty soon we're going to start seeing joint practices. And that's when it's people start getting down for real. Like these guys are going to start going at each other. And that's when you're going to start learning a little bit more about what this team is. That's, we're still a little bit away from that, but we're going into the next week of padded practices. And that at the end, of next week, there shall be a game, and we'll get to overreact to preseason football. Like I know all of you want to. I know I want to. I'm, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna kid you. I'm not gonna front. I want to overreact to preseason football too. Damn it! But we're still we're still a week away from that. Until then, you're gonna be hearing from us. I'm Kyrie Thompson. That is Taylor Kyles, and this has been Patriots Daily. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the like button. Follow us on Twitter. Be involved in the conversation. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell even the people you don't like. Make sure they're all watching this podcast. Tell your enemies. Yes, tell your enemies too. Okay, get everybody on here. We love talking with you. 